Have you ever sometimes, during a long, cold, gloomy winter evening, wind whistling through the hallways, rain whipping against the windows, been alone with your thoughts? Have you ever longed to leave our wet and muddy climate for some enchanted oasis? Come to the pearl of the Indian Ocean, Mauritius. Not eight miles from the capital, we now arrive at Mocha. The west wind blows through the plantation of Pierre Meunier. Yet neither he nor his son could have foreseen the hurricane to come. One in which the destiny of the island would be changed forever. George, what is this you have? A jewelry box. Bought from the Chinaman? Mika Mika, yes. <laughs> For whom? Something of value for someone of value. Someone from the ball, no doubt. Wait and hope, father. Pardon me. Mika, Mika. Xianxiong. Ba shu ge song dao, mao me di de fang zi li, jiao gei nao wei ni shu. Hao de, Xianxiong. Son, I understood the word malmedy. If it is Sarah Malmody you have in your sight, please be careful. You are my sole heir now. Not so. Jacques' ship will be somewhere on the ocean, I'm convinced. Who can say what has become of your brother? Jacques is too strong and too stubborn to be taken. Well, let us hope. Telemarchus news on the men we need for our renovations. There is a slave ship off the coast. We will pay the cost, and they will work for us free men. Excellent. The meeting is set at Point de Carve tonight. Here they come, Monsieur Meunier. That's some ship they sail. Designed for speed. Twenty guns on her sides, two cannons on her rear. This slaver has seen battle. You see the markings? That is the Calypso, a fighting ship banished from many a port over the years. You're armed? Yes. Greetings, gentlemen! No signs of any interference from the authorities? No, sir. Then let us commence. How many Negroes do you want? Sixty, if the price is agreeable. Complications have arisen since the British outlawed the trade. The price of black ivory has risen with it. As they stood in the long shadows that crossed the beach, George and his father soon realized they were in the presence of the captain of the slaver ship himself. Both parties stood in readiness for any sign of betrayal. Instinctively, Pierre's hand clutched his rifle. The men are in good condition. What price? 150 francs. Do you require payment in gold or in notes? I prefer gold. You have them in those saddlebags? Perhaps. Then I shall have the slaves come kneel and promise to devote themselves to your service. Very well. Telemark. You men have had the good fortune to come into the hands of Messieurs Pierre and Georges Mounier. The kindest employers in the island. You shall be treated. Pierre and Georges Mounier. Draw your swords, men. <laughs> Why do you laugh? You do not recognize your own brother. Jacques! Oh! Jacques! Oh, Monsieur! So it was, by a strange coincidence, a father and his two sons reunited. Three in the same family. One who had labored all his life under the prejudice of color. One who was making his fortune by trading in it. And the one who would yet risk his life fighting it. But none would have... Mate! What's up? Jacques, 
George's brother. In the novel, he's a slave trader. Look, it's, it's offensive, I, I know. In your last draft, his father's progressed. Now they give their slaves freedom. Uh, why don't you change this one? Make Jack a pirate. Sorry, what? Uh, just make him a pirate. Arr, a gold smuggler or something, rather than a smuggler of uh, human cargo. Okay, so no interest in a mixed-race man exploiting his own race? Then we can root for him. Don't forget, swashy, swashy. Buckle, buckle. Super cool. Nope, no problemo. Hey, uh, Mr. Duma. We. Oui? Pirate, he wants me to turn Jacques into a pirate. But he is part of the oppression. But does Jacques ever get that slavery isn't okay? And the way he talks about black women, does he learn anything? Some have prejudices that do not move. See, of the three mulattoes, the father defers to the white man. The brother is a slaver, and the other will stand against slavery. But it's offensive. It is drama. It is life. Not everyone can be good. All right, well, in that case, what about Georges? Not to be rude, but I did notice a lack of character development. If you want your work to be more literate, yeah, you've got the anti-slavery, anti-racist theme, but how is Georges transformed? He is transformation. The inspired mulatto, both black and white at their pinnacle. But he's too good. Where's his fatal character flaw? Is his arrogance not enough? It never shifts his view on how the racial politics play out. Kind of the theme of the novel. Mark how at first, though slavery repulses Georges, it is his thwarted desire for Sarah that changes him. The injury that gives him the courage to lead the slave rebellion. But why does Georges desire Sarah? Hmm. Ah, black vengeance. But it's not in the novel. Then we will change it. Okay. What if he doesn't really love her? Good. And he just wants to hurt her bigoted family? After all, she only ends up being a gambit to start the whole revolution in the first place. Yes, yes. Open Pandora's box. Jacques! Oh, Jacques! So it was, by a strange coincidence, a father and his two sons reunited. Three in the same family. One who had labored all his life under the prejudice of color. One who was making his fortune by trading in it. And the one who would yet risk his life for black vengeance. Oh, I didn't expect you to visit today. The winds are so fierce. Just you gain either. Salah sells you. They're all so beautiful. Oh, I like this. Can digger. This jewelry box. It's um oh, it's locked. Is there a key? Miss Sarah. Oh, well, thank you. Um, oh, it opens. Oh, gracious. A, a note. Excellent. Hmm. You have said excellent three times now. Have I? Well, first, when Miko Miko told you Sarah liked the jewelry box and found your letter inside. <laughs> the second, when she told you that she agreed to meet you. But I don't understand the third. When he told you she was already engaged to another? Believe me, brother, it is going according to plan. Ah, black vengeance. Sarah wants to meet in the summer house overlooked by the main residence. It's a little complicated for my liking. Through the window, Len, eh? Precisely. Remember, if the Malmedies put up a fight, my crew can carry your prize off to any corner of the world. For my vengeance to be complete, 
she must leave of her own accord. Ugh, time is upon us now. My ship needs me. Aren't you safer here, Jacques? There's a British frigate in the bay. The Calypso has many ways of moving undetected, even in the presence of British fleets. It's you who should worry. Clouds warn of a storm. Well, I have an appointment with Sarah. Antrim dashed off like lightning. Georges' face set against the winds. Father in heaven, have mercy on me. I was tranquil when I first laid eyes on him, but now his face, the words he has spoken, <laughs> the tone of his voice dwell in my memory. Like, like a tune I have heard once playing again and again. All around the intrepid rider was disorder and confusion. Sugar canes and manioc plants torn from their roots fly through the air like feathers carried by the wind. Sarah. I prayed you would not come. I didn't want the storm to take you away, nor for my uncle to find you. Neither your uncle nor the forces of nature can stop love. Oh, have pity on me. You love me, Sarah. I do. You are mine, Sarah. Mine for life. Oh, yes. Yes, for life. And I yours. Nothing shall ever part us but death. Nothing but death. I swear, Georges. From this moment, you are my wife, Sarah. And woe to him who tries to rob me of you. Someone outside! Quickly, go! Are you all right, Sarah? Are you talking to someone? S simply praying, Henri. Uh. Lasted storm. <laughs> I'd even start praying myself. Fly, my love. During the night, the hurricane ceased. But it was only the next morning the havoc could be properly estimated. City streets strewn with fragments. The house of Malmedy, one of the highest in Port Louis, suffered greatly. Get the men to clear this debris off the pathway. Who's that? I've no idea. It's the governor. And that... that... George. Lord Murray. Monsieur Mounier. Monsieur Malmedy. Gentlemen. Mademoiselle. Good morning. I'd invite you into the main house, but... Uh, uh, no need. Monsieur Georges has a request. Sarah, go to your room, please. But, Uncle... Sarah. Very well. I had hoped she would remain. Your business, sir. Monsieur Marmody, you know me. You know my family, my fortune. I'm worth, at this moment, two million francs. <laughs> I fail to see how that can be our interest. Well, it is not to you that I am speaking, sir. I do not see that my father requires such information. I come to ask for the hand of Mademoiselle Sarah. For whom? For myself. For yourself? Indeed. Come at you, sir! Monsieur Georges. Please withdraw, Ori. My niece is destined for my son, as you know quite well. Please listen, Malmedy. Sir, I love Mademoiselle Sarah, and I know I can make her happy. But my cousin does not love you, Monsieur. You are mistaken. Impossible. This is too much. You will taste this cake. <laughs> No, sir! Let go! Uh, to raise 
raise your stick in front of his lordship is a disgrace. You have raised a weapon at me before, Henri Marmadie. Please, proceed, Monsieur Georges. Thank you, Governor. Monsieur Marmadie, I venture then to ask you a second time for a positive answer to my request. Have you the audacity to expect any answer other than the one you deserve? I do not dictate what answer you should give me. Only give me an answer. Well, sir, understand that I refuse. Absolutely. Very well. Now, as regards to myself and Monsieur Henri, I demand satisfaction for his insults. Lord Murray. A matter of honor between men. I do not fight with a mulatto. That is your last word? Yes, sir. My last word. Now I know my course. Good day, sir. It was the following Saturday that the Yamsi Festival began. Port Louis put on such coquetry and pomp that none could have thought that the hurricane had occurred but six days before. The Champ des Mars was as usual the spot chosen for the fete with special entertainments for all. The prettiest women in Port Louis had decided to watch the races from their carriages, while sightseers crowded in from early morning, all jostling to get onto the stands for best vantage point. Was a chief attraction of the day, the great race. Not with your dear friend today, Lord Murray? No, I haven't seen him lately. Are you enjoying your first Yamsi, Governor? Yes. Oh, thank you for these flowers. Ah, my pleasure. People usually sail from the continent to see this, but uh, it seems many vessels have suffered in the hurricane and have not made the journey. I noticed one new ship in the harbor. Aha, the Dutch vessel. Dutch. Oh, a fine ship. Look, there's my ornery talking to their captain now. It's a, a Captain Van der Broek. Who was, of course, Sir Brother Jacques in disguise, using a Dutch accent most questionable. Captain, which horse will you bet on? I warn you, I ride Jester, and he's as quick as a whipcrack. Of the four horses, I think I shall bet on the one called, how do you say, Vengeance Noir? Never heard of it. The rider hasn't even given his name. Probably fears the shame of coming last. I'll take your bet, Captain Vanderbroek. How much do you want? 100,000 francs. Look, you're Dutch, so maybe you don't understand. 100,000 francs. Unless you do not feel confident, sir. <laughs> why are there only four horses this year? And why is there an unnamed rider for Vengeance Noir? Henri and Colonel Draper have discouraged all other starters. <laughs> ah, Captain Vandenbroek. The island welcomes you, sir. Your ship. It is a very smart schooner. Thank you. Might I have the honor of paying her a visit tomorrow? It would be my honor to invite you and boat to lunch. Excellent. Look! This is the mystery rider. Riding in the Arab style. Uh, notice the short stirrups. What is he wearing? Egyptian attire. A banous, I believe. Very interesting. Most unusual. The embroidery looks fine. What is more unusual is the fact he wears a hood and covers his face. The competitors drew up in a line. The governor's lieutenant held the pistol aloft and... 
Dekusi is making good headway. Vengeance Noir behind. Ride At the heel, Vengeance Noir had gained half a length. But Restoration and Jester, ridden by Henri Malmedy, had lessened their distance by ten yards. Your Henri looks like he'll catch the mystery rider. Fly, Henri! Fly! And just as the rider passed, everyone leapt forward, clapping and encouraging the riders. Sarah, either accidentally or on purpose, let fall her bouquet. <gasps> My flowers! The unknown horseman saw it and without slackening speed, slipped under his horse's belly in the manner of Arab riders, picked up the fallen bouquet, and returned the flowers to their fair home. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Impressive. Not bad. He's a circus performer. He'll not catch my Henri now. <laughs> Having lost barely 10 yards, the rider on Vengeance Noir pushed on. One more leap. First overtaking Virginia and his young rider. This rider is remarkable. Uh, did you bet on him, Vandenbroek? Past Colonel Draper on restoration. Until finally, Henri Malbadi was in his sight. Then all but 25 yards from the finishing line. Oh, he's removing the hood of his banouse. Good God, it's... It's George Mounier! Mounier. George. <laughs> <sighs> No, no, no! Faster, Jester! Faster, you beast! Honorary Marmody, for the two insults that you offered me, I return you but one. I hope that it will be equivalent for them both! My face! My face! George Bounier wins. He struck him. You saw that? The mulatto struck him. Uh-oh, your festival's disinterested? Monsieur Malmedy. This is unacceptable. A mulatto has struck a white man. Something must be done. Uncle. It must. This is a declaration of war against all whites. We must be appeased. I'm sorry I brought the Meunier name to this, Father. After all the work you have done. Well, son, in truth, the bastard deserved it. <laughs> Monsieur. Yes, Stelemac. There's a Negro to see you. I shall take my leave. Good night, Father. Do you not recognize me? I have met you twice. The first time saving Mademoiselle Sarah. And the second time you gave me my liberty. But you have stayed. Why? I am the son of a king of Anjouan. I was not born to be a slave. And now, having my freedom again, my life has changed. But the race today has caused me to consider where my fate may lie. I don't understand. There are, in this island, 84,000 colored men and only 20,000 whites. And? We have determined to rid ourselves of the whites. God knows we have suffered enough to warrant us avenging ourselves. Why do you speak to me, then? We are without a leader. I see. So you look for a leader. He is found already. One who has served in campaigns across Europe and North Africa. The only point is, will he accept the position? He risks his neck. And don't we also risk something? But what guarantee will you offer him? The same as he will offer us. An end of persecution and slavery. And what plan have you formed? Tomorrow, 
after the last day of the Yamsei festival, when the whites are wearied with the day's amusements, we will gather from all quarters. Then we will choose a leader. Say but a word, and the leader will be yourself. I ask for one day to make up my mind. I offered Monsieur Mamadi a very grave insult yesterday in public. I need to find out if he demands satisfaction. A duel. Very well. Begging your pardon, Monsieur Georges, the Dutch Captain Van der Broek would like to speak to you. Thank you, Telemaque. I will come back to you, Laser. Do not take too long. <laughs> My brother. <laughs> you recognized me there? <laughs> a false mustache, a Dutch uniform, and the worst accent I have ever heard. Can't disguise that grin. Your governor looks at me like an old sea wolf. He suspected something. <laughs> Look, brother, I have come to warn you. Malmody is keeping something in store for you. What do you mean? In my disguise, Henri took me as a pure-blooded white and spoke to me as such. He plans that when you are on the road to Port Louis, some eight or ten men will lie in wait, lay you on a ladder, and give you five and twenty lashes. The punishment for runaways. Well, what are we then? We mulattoes, white negroes, nothing else. Come with me, and tomorrow we shall be 25 leagues away from here, and we'll be able to laugh at all the whites. Impossible. Sarah. Leave her. I do not understand your desire for love and vengeance at the same time. If it is vengeance you're after, leave their goddess as a broken wench, a blight on their own family. Is that not a more diabolical humiliation for the Malmedes? I am not a devil. I want justice. She is an innocent. So you do love her? She deserves a better life than the Malmedy's hypocrisy. You've grown a heart now, black vengeance. Compassion is part of our blackness. Or have you spent so long selling black people you've forgotten to see the humanity in your cargo? Think what you want. Go, Jacques. But don't go so far as to miss the fireworks. What fireworks do you have in your head? <laughs> I mean that within eight days, these whites who threaten and despise me will be at my feet. Men! Brothers! You all know me. Antonio, your friend, your minstrel, the one who keeps your spirits alive. Now we must combine and exterminate the whites and become masters of the islands. The best of the fruits, of the fields, of the houses will be ours. We have not chosen a leader yet. I know such a man. As do I. You speak of yourself. No. I speak of him. Here is your leader. I have lived with both whites and with blacks, and I'm connected by blood with both. I am free and will sacrifice my freedom. Where will you find one like him? I declare I broke with them yesterday, but he loves a white girl. If they relent and offer to give her as his wife, he will betray us. If they offer her to me, I shall refuse. I wish to have her of her own accord and have nobody give her to me. This is freedom and equality. Brothers, you may look at me and see my clothes and my medals, Hear my voice, see the lightness of my skin. 
But be under no illusion. I know who I am. I am like you who toil in the fields. And the white man raises his hands to us again. My grandparents were in chains. My father shunned. And now I am insulted. Our blood, our color will not be revoked nor retracted. But neither will it be subjugated any longer. If our skin cannot be revoked, then it will be our armor. They call us black. We are black. We are the revolution. It's a little on the nose, isn't it? What is this? Honestly, mate, I think you're playing right into the hands of the racists. Sorry, James? You're playing into those tired tropes about, you know, black people coming over here and taking white women, aren't you? And what was that speech about? That ain't Dumas. Georges doesn't give that militant black supremacist speech about race in the novel. You want him to be all Martin Luther King and not radical. Martin Luther King was radical. Look, the hero is mixed race, pushing the conversation forward. America had a mixed race hero for eight years. And after that, the conversation went down the toilet. If I'm going to do an adaptation about racism, James, we really need to explore stuff. Not just say, oh, slavery was bad, wasn't it? You know, and not speak of truth or change or anything. Stories about blackness have become totally commodified. But you can't just start judging everyone, or even worse, demonizing white people. Well, it's way better than having black stories co-opted. Essentially, it's still white people that give people of colour permission to tell our own stories. No, mate, no. And even when people of colour are given permission, it's only to write about certain things. I mean, you only asked me to do this adaptation because I'm mixed race, right? Of course not. Yeah, I know you don't ask me to adapt Count of Monte Cristo or The Three Musketeers. Oh, come on, mate. You know what it's like for us? Us? Black people. Are you saying just because I had a private education, it means I'm not black? I mean, I'm blacker than you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know how few black radio producers there are? It's like Highlander out here. There can only be one. Yeah, and I'm trying to bring more writers of colour through, like you, mate. So what? We censor our own feelings and our own stories. Why should the system who barely gives me a voice and then speaks over me when I do be the one to whom I say, Yes, I'm asshole! Come down a bit, mate. Look, we've come a long way in terms of race and discrimination, but this is where we are. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. What has he said? He wants us to tone it down. What? Our black vengeance? I think he wants a more light-skinned vengeance. But it is there in the novel, and you have brought it out. Trust the novel. Trust me. Duma? Mr. Duma? So, when George had hung his pistols by his pillow and put his sword under his bolster, he went to sleep calmly as though he was not sleeping over a powder magazine. If we start the forward attack here... The next day passed as the preceding night had done, and the following night as the day, meeting with Razor to make strategy. Wait. Mika Mika. Ni hao, Pingyo. Miss Sarah. A note. My love. Be at Lord Murray's at two o'clock this afternoon, and you will learn what I hardly dare tell you. So happy does it make me. After you see him, come to me. I shall wait for you in our summer house. With all the earnest prayers of my heart, yours, Sarah. Thank you. Shushani, Mika Mika.
Look, George. One of the governor's men. Letter for Georges Mounier. My dear traveling companion, please come to me today at two o'clock. I hope I shall have some good news for you. Yours always, Lord William Murray. The two letters harmonize perfectly with one another. My love, Sarah, and my friend, Murray. I shall go. But you will be in danger if you cross the town. But I will be a coward if I do not. Go then. If you are not at our meeting place by 10 o'clock... Then then... I shall be imprisoned or dead. Ah, Georges, my young friend. As you can see, Monsieur Malmedy and Mademoiselle Sarah have been waiting for you. Good day, Mademoiselle. Monsieur Mounier. You had no trouble in your journey? No. I perhaps expected to see Henri Malmedy on the road in. Perhaps with some friends? I made sure Henri was to stay safely at home. Rest assured, my son's temperament is not my own. I understand. I think you only perceive in part. Monsieur Marmadi is desirous of putting an end to these rivalries of caste and all these distinctions of colour on the island. And, my friend, he consents to grant you the hand of his niece, Sarah Malmedy. Think of it, Georges. I hope the incidents of the past between our families may be forgotten. And I promise you that my son will forget the grave insult which you offered him quite recently. I therefore give my consent to your union with my niece. I see. Unless it should be you who declines. Do not judge me hastily by my answer, Sarah. All that I am about to say, then, is merely a question of form and time. William? George? I thank you for your generous philanthropy. Monsieur Malmedy, influenced by some calculation which I do not understand, may be ready to meet me halfway, but I will not advance the other half. But, sir... If Sarah wishes to turn away from my love, she is free, mistress of our own hand and fortune. George, I would never... You have a devoted heart, Sarah. But for you, Monsieur Malmedy... You and your son have slighted my family for years, and your son, Henri, declines to fight me honorably, only to plot to have me whipped by his friends. Why should those who have done me repeated injury be the ones to prescribe the manner of my compensation? Lord Murray, do not look to him. You see, Malmedy, between myself and Henri, it is a war to the death that can only be ended on my part by his death or his humiliation. Your Excellency, you see that I, for my part, have done what I could. Leave us, please. My lord, Georges. Sarah. My love, we must simply wait our turn. (gasps) The refusal. Why? The sentiment of my own dignity. Nothing else? Georges? William, your lordship. If there be another reason, allow me to keep it a secret. You know, my desire was to make you act as a bond, to unite the two opposed castes in this island. Unhappily, all this comes too late. Too late for what? Excuse me again, it is my secret. A well-guarded secret that is confided to 10,000 persons. You wish to ruin yourself. I wanted to save you. The man who chooses to be the leader of a vast conspiracy assembling an army of Negroes to march upon Port Louis this night. 
I told Malmedy of your plan, and that by turning your heart, we could save the colony. Your spies have informed you well. Abandon your mad scheme, and I will ignore everything. Forget everything. Impossible. Reflect on the kind of men to whom you have bound yourself. These men of whom you speak with such contempt are my brothers. They have recognized me, who am despised by whites, and therefore I have consecrated my life to them. I will see you upon the battlefield, my friend. No, no, Georges, I don't want a man like yourself to die upon the scaffold, do you understand? You may want to ruin yourself, but you will see I have done you a great favor. William? Men, come out! Seize him! All this happened with such rapidity, Georges had no time to prepare himself for his capture and transfer to the jail at Port Louis. The room had evidently been prepared for him beforehand. Neatly furnished, almost elegant. Except that its windows overlooking a quiet street in the capital below were barred. Mika, Mika! <laughs> you followed me, didn't you? What have you got? Through the bars. Got it. A rope and file. Shishini. <laughs> A rope and file. Georges held his liberty between his hands. And as it grew dark, he began to file one of the bars. But progress was slow. Eight o'clock. He listened for the sound of patrols or the sound of unrest. Nothing. Nine o'clock. George redoubled his efforts. The bar was already completely sawn through at the bottom. But outside, no sound of British soldiers erecting barricades. George could not understand this indifference on the governor's part. He knew him too well not to have taken all precautions needed. Half past nine, some strange shouts from outside. Ten sounded, and the bars yielded. So too did the night air, becoming filled with the distorted voices of several thousand men. Laser had kept his word. A smile of joy passed over Georges' lips. Georges gave the bar a final wrench. Laser, how is the plan commencing? The city seems abandoned. Be on your guard. Murray will certainly make his move. The governor has already made his move. When we arrived, some of the men relaxed and sat at different spots in front of the principal's houses. Opened barrels as if for public consumption. At first I thought the drink was poisoned water, but they were casks. Brandy and rum. And now the men are drunk. Two centuries of slavery to be avenged, and they dance and sing, defenseless. And now the British are here. No! Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Wheel up, wheel up. What are you doing? We are in the middle of a battle. But are we still going with this? That a bit of rum distracts all the black people from having a revolution? That's not black vengeance. That's more like black stupidity. Why take everything so literal? Think of the opium wars, in which your Britain deliberately and illegally ensnared many Chinese to addiction. This is the treachery of the British. The rum is in the novel as a symbol. A provocation! My whole novel is a provocation! Now back to the battle! It is exciting! The British are here! No! Quick, George! 
Receiving word of their flight, Pierre Mounier rushed to join his son, and the band entered the great woods. After marching with George upon a stretcher for three or four hours, the vegetation too dense to give any further, they halted on a plateau at the foot of a nameless mountain. And by moving some stones, Laser found an opening to an immense Eden cave. We are all in. Even the most practiced eye could not spot the entrance. The opening is narrow. It will be easy to defend. How is Georges? I have the knowledge of plants and the apps. The wound was serious, but not mortal. Not anymore. Oh, thank you, sir. Georges. Father. We must move. No, son. We'll rest. Let you heal a little, and then we'll make for Grand Port. I've sent a message to Jacques, and his ship will meet us there. This cave? Mine the inner passage with explosives. If the British do find this place, they will also find a gift from us. As the darkness invaded the lower regions of the mountain, Laser scouted outside the cave. Laser? Laser, where are you? Here, Mounier. Antonio. I wonder how quickly you can reach that golden carbine of yours. Everything in its time. Get you, me. bastard! Drop your knife! Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, I will, I will, I will, I will. Silence! They're closing! Listen! They have a dog. A dog that leads a whole regiment! We are eight or so leagues from our escape. We do not have time, but I will not leave George! I will give you some time. Let the cave defenses and fly to your rendezvous. I have some business with Antonio. Go! Very well. And now, Antonio, for you and me. Let me join you. Am I not your friend and a brother? I am not your friend and a brother. I am your judge and executioner. Well, mercy! The great spirit had forsaken me. The test for revenge had made me mad. So pity for a madman, Laser. It abandoned me in the name of mercy. And who was it who betrayed my escape to the Malmeda family? Holding fast to the rules of the whites rather than that of Massey. Massey was a foolish name to announce, Antonio. Why are you holding a rope? Huh? What are you doing? You are hung by your own betrayal. No, no, no. no. <sighs> <sighs> 
The British are here! Blow the charges now! Fly toward Grand Port. I will look after Josh. Come, Josh. Where is my father? You will see him in a short time, Josh. For now, hold on. I will carry you to safety. Laser carries Georges Mounier through the woods alone across his back. A back already crisscrossed with scars. However great the strength of Laser, he could not succeed in getting out of sight of his pursuers. Not long now, Monsieur Georges. Dashing into an open plane, the pursuers took the opportunity to fire out into the open. Monsieur Josh, I shall lay you down here. my father? Now, place my blade. I shall not be enslaved again. Ancestors, hold the place for me. I see I am in prison. Not as comfortable as the last jail, I'm afraid. But I trust you'll understand. <clears throat> that looks like a regiment outside. I'm flattered. Are you well enough to speak to a magistrate? You have my word. I will dictate to the clerk the whole story of the conspiracy in detail. Why do you promise such a thing? <clears throat> to hasten the trial. And to take the whole responsibility for the rebellion upon myself, sir. The charge is treason among others. I have enough strength to mount the scaffold. Who tells you that you'll be condemned to death? My conscience. I played a game with high stakes, and I lost. Can I get you anything? Do you wish to write to someone? One more thing I request. How will I be executed? Beheading with an axe. Good. The same mode as Augusta do. Mary Stuart and Charles I. At least I shall have equality in the manner of my death. I can give you that. I, for myself, sympathize with your race, Georges. But you know the law has its procedures, and it is my duty to uphold it, however noble your heart. Georges had realized the man he spoke to was happy to declare friendship with all races but would only permit this one inspired mulatto into his sphere. No negro or Nubian among them. And as soon as this mulatto expressed a desire for true equality, he was expelled. Goodbye, Josh. <clears throat> Goodbye, my lord. Call me with... Ah. Goodbye. The ending. The ending? What is the ending about? It is a rousing finale. The Mahmoudis never get their comeuppance. The most racist scumbags in the story, yeah, they lose Sarah, but they're still rich, successful, and living their bloody best lives. No, no, they are shamed. I don't think that really translates to today, bro. Oh, how clever you are, monsieur. But it seems you missed the target of my novel. It is not the Mahmoudis. They are imbeciles. It is the Inrog I take aim at. Murray? Lord William Murray. <sighs> 
A typical Englishman speaks of being civil, but in truth only uses that civility to uphold accepted injustices. I'm an Englishman. That's why I write to show them I have a right. I am English. I am French. Right. French and black. So how come you never return to making black people, people like you and me, the hero? Or even really wrote about race again in your novels? Oh, the world wasn't ready. You were too busy partying more like, bro. Need I remind you I had to flee Paris because of my views? I had no model, no pattern or past to follow but my own. That's a questionable response, because actually... But I, I made my mark. It was a play by the English bards that first inspired me to write To Thine Own Self Be True. So, sir, I put it to you. If you are English, as you claim, where is your soul? Both of us are prisoners of the prejudices of our time. Neither of us with the freedom to speak from our hearts. I did my part. Will you at least attempt to escape yours? W what should I do? Duma. Oh, what about the finale? Oh. Shay! There you are. Good morning, George. A nice day for a walk, eh? I see you've brought some friends. I should say eight mounted artillery men and a battalion lining our route suits our needs. Do you wish to pray at St. Saviour's? Pride has taken my body. May it not take my soul also. Take him. I'll see you at the scaffold. Your Lordship. On arriving in the little church, beside the good old priest was a woman dressed in black with a black veil. For whom was she waiting? My love. Sarah. Please rise, mademoiselle. Away from the prisoner. Listen. In this very church, on the threshold of the grave he is about to enter, I call upon you all to witness in the presence of God and man, all you soldiers in this church, that I, Sarah Malmady, come to ask Monsieur Georges Mounier if he is willing to take me for his wife. Be free. You need no man. Leave. I will not. We kneel. Bow your heads and pray. Pardon me, Father. George! Jacques! Marauders! Take that! Mika, Mika! This whole time? Of course! The biggest reveal is true self, where he thinks a foreigner cannot understand him. Come, brother! To the I have never seen the island from so far out to sea before. You must forgive me, Sarah. I saw you only as an emissary for my vengeance, and winning your affection a form of reparation. I also used you to my purposes. You were my path out from the oppression of my family. Hmm. Perhaps, then, we might find a true love after all. <laughs> from this point, I absolutely refuse to bind myself to a man. Certainly until I'm assured that I, as woman, am acknowledged as equals in everything. Oh, you shall have it. To think I was convinced that I would die alongside my sons only a short while ago. Oh. We are not free yet. A storm? 
Send a man to the Togallant Yard! If only it were a matter of a storm. Look! Chuck! The Leicester! So large a ship! It brought me to Mauritius. That beer muff is an old acquaintance of mine, too. And I fear she will not let us get away without proposing a little game of Skittles, which we shall be obliged to accept. The two ships continued their course, the frigate closing the distance three, four hours closer until... They cut a hole in the top mizzen sail! They're trying to slow us! Well, what are the rest of you about? Give her a broadside! Aim at her mast! Break her legs and trip her wings! What can I do, brother? You've seen who's captaining the Leicester? <laughs> it's Lord Murray. Your governor wants to relive his sea days, eh? Stand by to take the mainsail off her! And prepare to board them! <laughs> yes, brother! Strangely here, but it feels right. You'll pay for this scar, Mongol. On guard! You think you're a pure blood? There's no purity in human cruelty. Excuse me, my love. Sir, you should be on board the Calypso. This fight is mine, George. Henri and his father have groomed me for this forced marriage since I was a child. Go after Murray. Good luck, Sarah. So, ready for this dance, Henri? Stupid, sniveling Sarah. I'll teach you, you black lover. These two pistolas may have something to say about that. Smoke getting to you, Lord Murray. We could have remained friends, George. Now I will pursue you to the ends of the earth. I could never be friends while my brothers are in chains. Marines! <laughs> I can find as many of your men as you throw at me. And now you will meet my first mate. All right, mate. Who are you? James, I work in radio, but I'm afraid I can't let you get away with being an expression of both your white upbringing and also the anger you have for a system that says you're welcome but rejects your blackness at the same time. What? Taste black vengeance! This is what I'm talking about, mate! You could have reconciled the white and the black! Yes, but we must acknowledge systemic bias still possess! But the constant diatribes about racism just make things worse! Constantly ignoring means things just stay as they are. God, we move on from slavery. It's all in the past. We civilized the colonies. Blah, blah, blah. He's beating 
I'm sure I wouldn't speak like this. And what am I doing here? It's all right, Duma. I've got laser guns now. Here, catch. Who in hell's name are you? I'm a writer. Uh, I'm writing all of this. No! My Marines! And the Union flag is on fire! Yeah, it's a symbol, a provocation. Perhaps you shouldn't be allowed one until we actually put a little black in the Union Jack. People aren't going to like that! You'll never win! And yet we have! That actually sounds a bit cliche. I invented the cliche. No matter, it's a cheap it's in. Look out, George! Look, Mari attack! <laughs> George Munier, you blackguard! Does that sound racist? I don't know. This island could have been ours! Ours? I would give liberty in time! When you're dead, liberate this! No! Goodbye, William! Yeah. On guard, James! Put that sword down, mate. No, it's great. Really entertaining. But going all guns blazing with Sarah there, a bit of glib girl power, wasn't it? Betrope. Oh, make it your own. <laughs> and giving the only Chinese character kung fu skills. Seriously. Look, you've taken it all a bit too far, haven't you? So I think I shot your radio producer. Fools, I may be dying, but the system will always win. Your ship won't last long on the water in this place. You haven't realized I've been keeping you fighting as Henri now steers my ship into your Calypso. Our powder supplies will blow imminently. Both our ships will burn. This is not good. Watch this. No, to the helm. You're too late. I shot him, but he's jammed himself to the wheel. Get back aboard the Calypso. Go, my son. Get off the Calypso. Sarah, I'm staying at the helm. No. Someone must turn the ship. Change course. Tell my father and brother I go with liberty, equality, fraternity in my heart, as it must be in theirs. Now go. Yes, George. Jump, Sarah! is turning the wheel! The ship's not separating! The Lester is going to blow! Leave, George! You are free! He's giving his life to save ours! But this is not a happy ending. The hero will not escape with the girl. But it's not really about that, is it? George has won. And I am a mulatto. A son of both the white European. And the black African, I am the proof, proof that despite all obstacle and disadvantage, all opposition and power, I have a voice. And I say to you, no longer will we wait and hope. I claim my freedom now! So, what do you think? Magnifique! Roll credits! George and the Writer were played by Jamail Westman, Dumand Pierre by Peter Landy, and Sarah by Kimberly Cochran. 
James Telemac and Antonio were played by Aditomiwa Edun, Marmody by David Acton, and Laser by Dara Hand. Jacques was played by Testament, Henri by Samuel James, Lord Murray by Ewan Bailey, and Mika Mika by Chaik Chan. Georges was written by Alexandra Dumas and dramatized by Testament. It was a BBC Audio Drama North production directed by Gary Brown.